This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a nice man. I'm a Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 88, and today I'm going to give you guys an introduction, a little info dump, if you will, on the people behind WWE music nowadays. Now, if you remember some months back uh, in the sunny days of 2019, I wrote an article for Voices of Wrestling called The Downfall of WWE Music in 2019. And I mentioned how one of my uh, biggest complaints about the state of WWE music nowadays is that since CFOs stopped being the main music guys for the company, there's been a real drop-off. Not so much in terms of the quality of these themes, though that does play a little part of it, I must say, but more so the lack of information about these songs. We didn't know who was doing Bailey's new theme or Cesaro's new theme, Kushida, Buddy Murphy, Io Shirai, Damian Priest, etc., etc., or what those songs were even called, either. These songs were also not being released to the public via iTunes or YouTube or Spotify or what have you. We didn't have official music releases for months on end. It was all very frustrating, especially since we had that quick availability and that song info readily available with CFOs in the prior years. Luckily, we would not be in the dark for long, because... Through the magic of YouTube metadata, recent trademark filings, and songs finally getting released to the public, we now know who's doing these new WWE themes, and what these songs are called as well. As it turns out, the music quote-unquote group that is now doing WWE's music is called Def Rebel. Def spelled like Def Leppard, D-E-F, and Rebel spelled like Rebel, all undercase, by the way. And here's the thing, Def Rebel is not the name of this group, not the real name anyway. It's not like there's a group called Def Rebel that was hired by WWE to work on the music. No, they only use the name Def Rebel when they're doing a WWE song. It's like their gimmick name, so to speak. Their shoot name is DJDTP. Do you know who DJDTP is? It's okay if you don't. They're not an actual band or pop artist. They are a music production company. Uh, They make songs for use in not just WWE, but for a wide number of of entertainment venues like uh, movies, TV shows, trailers, video games, theme parks, commercials. Uh, They've done work for Disney, Viacom, Netflix, EA Games, all sorts of things. So they've got a pretty good resume beyond just WWE. This is not like an amateur Joe Schmo operation here. And that notion is reinforced when you look at who makes up DJ DTP. It was founded by two guys, Doug Davis and Ali Theodore, a.k.a. Ali D. Doug Davis is not a musician. He's an executive. 
He's an entertainment lawyer. He's a producer. And he is, for all intents and purposes, music royalty. Because his dad is Clive Davis. Who is Clive Davis, you might be wondering if you're younger. Well, Clive Davis used to be a bigwig at Columbia Records in the 60s and 70s. Here are some of the people that Clive signed to a record deal at Columbia. Bruce Springsteen, Janis Joplin, Barry Manilow, who we just played in the Colcabana episode, Aerosmith, Santana, Billy Joel, Chicago, Laura Nyro, Earth, Wind & Fire, Blood, Sweat & Tears, Pink Floyd. Perhaps you've heard a few of those names. Then in the 70s, Clive left Columbia and founded Arista Records. Here are some of the people that Clive signed while at Arista and its various sub-labels. Aretha Franklin, Dionne Warwick, Lou Reed, The Grateful Dead, Patti Smith, The Kinks, Carly Simon, Ace of Bass, Alicia Keys, TLC, Brad Paisley, Outkast, Usher, Pink, Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson, Mace. Perhaps you've heard a few of those names. So Doug Davis is following in some very big footsteps in the music biz. And by all accounts, he's done a very good job for himself. Ali D, unlike Doug Davis, is a musician. In fact, he's composed, produced, and or performed songs for movies and TV shows for decades. If you go on his IMDb page, the list is quite extensive. Everything from Transformers to Iron Man, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Hannah Montana, CSI, The Muppets, Supernatural, Harold and Kumar, the list goes on and on and on. So those two guys smush together to create DJDTP. And if you go on the BMI website, which is one of those big music royalty slash publishing websites, and you look up a song done by DJDTP, under the banner of songwriter slash composer, you'll find the names Douglas J. Davis and Ali Theodore. Along with a few other names, by the way. Jody Shihade, who is also a lawyer and the president of the group. James Keith Petrie, who is the COO of the group. And Anthony Mirabella, who is also a musician. So, I think we can surmise that Doug Davis, James Keith Petrie, and Jody Shihade are not stepping into the music booth, strapping on a guitar, and playing a few notes. They're not actually writing and performing the songs themselves. That stuff is likely being done by Ali D and Anthony Mirabella, plus whichever writers and musicians that they bring in to help out with the songs. Now, when you look at Def Rebel and who makes up this little outfit, what their backgrounds are, your mind does drift to the question of, are these people actually wrestling fans? I think it's a natural question to have in this case. And me, I don't have a concrete answer for that. I don't know these people personally, of course. For all I know, Doug Davis is a massive Big Japan fan, or Ali D has a vast collection of AAA bootlegs on VHS. Maybe James Petrie is a Naruki Doistan. I don't know. Or maybe making music for WWE is just another gig for these people. Maybe that's it. Gun to my head, I'd probably lean more towards this being just another gig. But that's just me. And hey, even if it is that way, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there are plenty of musicians out there who take gigs for projects that they may not be big fans of. Case in point, one Jim Johnston. He is on record for saying that he's not really a big fan of pro wrestling. But when it came to making music for pro wrestling, the man was pretty damn good at it. And he spent a lot of time and care 
and energy, crafting songs that were well-tuned to the wrestlers they belonged to, like any good professional would. Are Def Rebel professionals? Of course they are. Do they make technically proficient songs? Of course they do. Are the songs well-tuned to the wrestlers they belong to? Hmm. Your mileage may vary on that. Which, you know, to be fair to Def Rebel, they wouldn't be alone in that. You know, Jim Johnston, for all his accolades, made his fair share of generic theme songs. Same with Dale Oliver in TNA. Same with Mikey Ruckus in AEW right now. You know, nobody has a 100% hit rate in that regard. But anyway, I think this is a good time to transition to talking about some of the songs that Def Rebel has done. Now, I mentioned earlier about that long drought of songs not being released to the public. Thankfully, they've started to trickle them out over the past few months, but it's been a slow trickle. Def Rebel has been with WWE since 2019. They've done probably dozens of songs by this point, but if you go on iTunes or Spotify, they've only put out like 10 or 11 of them. Compare that to AEW, who I think have done a tremendous job releasing, I'd say, the majority of their roster's theme music online. I mean, right now, I can listen to the theme song for the original Death Dealer and Japanese deathmatch legend, Luther, but I can't listen to Cesaro's theme. I mean, I know there's a process with this stuff, but uh, come on. To quote Caddyshack, let's go while we're young. But anyway, yes, there's only a handful of songs to listen to, and I'll only pick a few of them because I want to save some of them for the year in review episode in December. Right now, it'll be like a sampling of the wares, uh, similar to the solo AEW episode I did back in January. And we'll start with the Monday Night Messiah, Seth freaking Rollins, Burn It Down, John! I'll break his neck, John! This song is called The Rising. Sorry, sorry. So the Monday Night Messiah gimmick, uh, a sharp transition from Seth's old gimmick, which was a burn-it-down guy, I guess? So there's also a sharp pivot in terms of the music, too, which is a recurring motif with a lot of these Death Rebel songs. There's a sharp pivot from the old CFO's theme to the new theme. And in this case, we went from burn-it-down thrash metal to... Horns, strings, the angelic choir. We still have the heavy drums in there, but it's not the machine gun drumming of the old theme. This is more uh, more minimal, slower paced in that regard. Bum 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 pa, bum 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 pa. Which, when you hear that particular drum pattern, 
it does have a more dramatic feel to it, in my opinion. It's meant to stir your emotions rather than punch you in the face, like the fast drumming did. And I think that speaks to the other elements of the song as well. You combine them, and it's all quite dramatic and stirring and epic. It's meant to be awe-inspiring, much like how Seth Rollins in this character wants people to look at him as a messiah, like someone who is awe-inspiring himself. And you should follow him, and you should listen to him. It's called The Rising, which ties into the religious aspect of it too. And that all makes sense. Now, the way I hear it, this does also feel like your typical epic movie trailer music, doesn't it? Like, can't you picture a trailer for some random summer blockbuster, like uh, maybe Terminator 15, or Mortal Engines 2, Electric Boogaloo, or Let's Give Jai Courtney a Franchise Part 7, one of those type of movies. And the trailer starts with the ah, choir, and then here comes the action, and the gunfights, and the car chases, and the beam of blue light that's in every single one of these fucking movies. And these big grand horns and strings and drums are playing in the background. You can totally picture that. And that's another recurring trait with these Death Rebel themes. These songs may be used as wrestling themes, but they can also be trailer music or background music, which I think is a side effect of having someone like Def Rebel, like DJ DTP, do your songs. That's their bread and butter. It's making music for film and television. And maybe they're more likely to slip into that mode when making a wrestler theme, as opposed to a Jim Johnston or a Inosuke Kitamura who have a sharper focus. But regardless, let's move on to our next theme uh, for Bailey, or It's Bailey, or Aunt Pam, as the Shake Their Ropes podcast have lovingly dubbed her. Bailey's theme is called Deliverance. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. 
But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So, Bailey turning heel last year, turning herself into Aunt Pam. No more inflatable tube men, no more bows in the ponytail, no more ponytail, period. She cut her hair. And she got rid of her old theme song, Turn It Up. Which makes sense because that theme was perfect for the old babyface Bailey character. All bright and upbeat and fun and very Radio Disney, if you will. But now that she's evil Aunt Pam, Bailey needs a song that is, I don't want to say darker, because it's not like Bailey is now a dark character. She's just now a, a regular obnoxious heel, but definitely a more adult-sounding song. Not like swearing, of course, you know, motherfucker, I will fuck you up. No, no, no. That's a bit too adult, I think, but you know, you know what I mean. Something more serious. And this song, it's your hard rock instrumental with the heavy guitars, the guitar solos. It works. It's more serious. And I do like those guitar solos. Now, you'll also notice that there's an angelic choir in this theme as well, just like there is in sets, which I'm a little iffy on, because I don't think Bailey's theme really needs a choir. I mean, yeah, you could say that her being obnoxious and arrogant, that kind of amplifies those traits, having this choir in her theme song, but I don't know. It's not like I look at Bailey's character and I think, yeah, angelic choir. It's not like she's a religious character like Seth is, or a demonic supernatural character like Undertaker, or doom and gloom apocalyptic villain like Cleaner Kenny Omega. She's just regular annoying asshole Hila Bailey. And the song is called Deliverance, which is a type of ministry where people are cleansed of evil spirits and demons. Again, not Bailey's gimmick. So there is some confusion as to why Def Rebel put a choir in this theme, but maybe they just thought, hey, a choir sounds pretty cool. 
That may just be it. But that's all a minor quibble in the grand scheme of things. Now, I've also heard people say that this song kind of reminds them of the Rocks theme in terms of the melody in the choir. And if you listen to that melody in the choir, that da, 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 you can kind of sort of hear the basic bare bones pattern of the Rocks theme. The comparison that I make, though, is with that heavy guitar riff that comes in every so often. That I hear a bunch of stuff with that. I hear Ode to Joy by Beethoven. I hear Through the Fire and Flames by Dragon Force. And I also hear Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. But again, that's just me. So let's stay with the women here and play the theme song for the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. Her song is called Tokyo Shock. This is one that a lot of people were looking forward to getting their hands on, myself included, and for good reason, because it's a pretty damn awesome song. I think all the different electronica beep boops and melodies are very catchy. I love the cadence and tempo of the song. It's not too rushed, it's not too slow. It feels dark and edgy and badass, but doesn't go over the top with it. It's just right for this iteration of Io Shirai as this total badass with the primarily black gear. Not that I didn't like Eo's prior theme songs, of course, I, I did, certainly, but this is just the flip side of the coin. You had the uplifting techno beforehand, now you've got this CD dark electronica. Again, speaking to that pivoting between themes. Um, of course, when you're turning heel, or changing up your character quite a bit, like Seth did, like Bailey did, like Eo did, it makes it a lot easier and a lot more convenient to pivot away from the sound of your old theme song. Now when I hear this song, again going to the movie music well here, it reminds me of watching like an action thriller and the main character goes to some nightclub and it's dark and there are strobe lights and some laser beams, women in short dresses and there are gangsters in a room upstairs snorting cocaine, talking business, maybe a shootout ensues. This is the music that plays during that scene. It's not fun club dance music, it's dark club music. That's the vibe I'm getting here. Which plays into EO's entrance too. You know, when the music hits, 
the lights all go out, the screen is erratically flashing Eo's name, and Eo comes out, and the only way you see her is via the flashing of the strobe lights, like she's in a Dark Knight Club. And I like as well how those flashing strobe lights match up with the staccato nature of the song. You know, from the beginning with those sharp jabs, bom, 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 the song is quite pointed. It has a flow, but it's a pointed flow, if that makes sense. All those staccato beeps and boops. The strobe light effect goes along with that quite well, I think. Now, the fourth and final theme of this uh, truncated episode here is for Angel Garza, the man with the tearaway pants not named Taichi. And his theme is called Machismo. Angel Garza is a man of Mexican persuasion, nephew of the late great Hector Garza, cousin of Humberto Carrillo, and like many Mexican wrestlers in this uh, fine sport of kings, he's coming out to a Hispanic-sounding song. You hear the horns, the percussion, uh, the guiro, which is the ribbed wood instrument that you rub the stick against. I think you hear some castanets in there too. The Spanish vocal drop, Como te gusta, it's all par for the course. Now, a couple things. Number one, this is the music that gets played on every TV procedural where the investigators go to a Latin neighborhood. Maybe they show establishing shots of, say, street vendors, old dudes playing dominoes, Latin American flags, things of that nature. They'll play this music at the beginning of that kind of scene. Number two... It kind of reminds me of the song, I Like It Like That, by Pete Rodriguez. I said I like it like that. You've heard it before. And number three, it has that slower Latin groove to it, which I think works well for Garza specifically, because his whole deal is that he's a Latin lover, with the tearaway pants and getting the kiss on the cheek from the fans. Okay, that second one may be going away forever because of COVID, but... Still, that's his gimmick. He's a Lothario, so him having this slower groove to his theme song fits. As opposed to Andrade, who also has a Hispanic theme song, but that one is much more animated and energetic, and is more akin to, like, a soccer anthem than a sexy love song. Now, in case you did not know, this is actually a remake of the theme song that Def Rebel did for Garza before this one, called Rapido. Unfortunately, there isn't a clean version of this out there because it never got an official release, but from what I can hear on show footage or in recording edits and whatnot, it's basically the same song, same melody, except it's a tiny bit faster and it leans more into the processed beats side of things 
than the Latin instrumentation. Plus, there's a different stinger at the beginning of Rapido, which is, El Latino está en la casa, baby. El Latino está en la casa, baby. Which, I admit, I wish carried over into this new theme song. I'm sad it didn't stay in, but oh well. So what can we say overall about these Deaf Rebel songs? Well, they're not bad songs per se. Like I said, they're good, technically proficient songs. And in the case of Io Shirai's theme, they can be pretty catchy when they want to be. But, as I kept bringing up earlier, these songs do have that production company feel to them. They do feel like background music in a film or a TV show, or trailer music, or, or whatever. They have that particular sheen to them, if that makes sense. Not to single them out, because there are probably songs like this in every company. But still, you hire a production company, you can't be surprised at what you get. And I think what really hurts these songs is, for the most part, the lack of personalization. It's not like we have any lyrics or stingers that explicitly say, hey, this is so-and-so's theme. Like, you could take Bailey's theme and give it to, I don't know, Riddick Moss. Would it make a difference? I don't think so. So, I'm not really a big fan of that, and I wish Def Rebel, going forward, did improve upon that. That's the, my biggest criticism, I think, towards them. I tell you what I am a big fan of, though. It's the runtimes of these themes, because with CFOs, you look at the runtimes on their songs, we're talking four and a half, five minutes of the same, what, 90 second loop. It's overkill. Now, these Def Rebel songs loop too, I won't deny that, but if you look at the runtime on these songs, none of them are over three minutes long. They're all between two and a half and three minutes, which is like a sweet spot. It's not short enough where you're disappointed because you want to hear more, but it's not long enough where you get sick of it. So, Def Rebel, I applaud you for keeping these songs to a reasonable length. Keep it up. And keep it up with making these songs available to everybody, whether via iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever. Keep that up too, because the best way to listen to these themes and properly judge these themes and evaluate them is with clean studio versions. So keep that up. And that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. A reminder that Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW Discord to discuss this and all past episodes. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go over to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. All right, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.